by Becker Gray. It's no secret that Aurora Lincoln Ward hates Phineas Yates, but what most people don't know is the reason. Last summer, Phineas broke Aurora's heart in the worst way, and she promised herself then and there that she would never fall prey to the center of Pembroke Prep again. But now sin is in the air, and the Hellfire Club's number one center has his sights set on her. That's Ruin Center by Becker Gray. It's live today. Go grab it, ladies. Welcome back, lady listeners, to another week at Read Me Romance. It's another week with Leah and Mel. How's it going, everybody? (laughs) Press the number four if you're happy. (laughs) 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 Press four. Don't ask that. No, I was going to say, what's the one where it's like in Spanish? Yeah. Oh, my God. Sorry. Let's start over. I'm just kidding. Am I the only one that doesn't hit any of them? I just start hitting zero over (laughs) when I start talking. You just immediately hit zero? Like zero, 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 zero. I never thought about that. Does that always take you to an operator? Yeah, because it starts to get confused. It's like, we don't understand. We're connecting you to somebody that can help. That's actually pretty smart. I never thought about doing that. Wow, shit. That's that's a game changer, Mel. <laughs> We've got, thanks for joining us this week. We've got Aurora Kane. Um, her book that she's brought us this week is Her Alien Collector. And we'll talk more about it and I'll read you the book bio and all her info in just a little bit. Um, one thing I do want to point out before we get started is that she has a book called Aliens and Cupcakes. And I just don't know, I didn't know that someone could combine these things <laughs> In this way and make it she amazing. And yet she did. I was scrolling through and I was like, these are cute. That's fucking clickable. Aliens mm-hmm. and cupcakes. You got me. You fucking got me. <laughs> you know what? Just bullseye. Okay. <laughs> I love it so much. Like that. It seriously made my day when I read that. Yeah. If you're into aliens, if you're, you know, if you're here for the sci-fi and the big blue penis, like you're, you're in for it. So. So, all right, I have a couple of things I want to talk about this week. Number one is that we have back to school on Monday. My kids get back to school on Monday. And one thing that I am worried about is that my daughter, my youngest one, you know, Hallie, she's, we go through this every year. And this is pre-pandemic. I have to have a talk with her teacher. Oh my I'm God. like, hi, my name's Leah. We're going to get to know each other a lot this year. <laughs> Probably going to have a lot of phone calls. (laughs) And I just want to say to her, like, just listen to her. And if there's a problem, call me. (laughs) And I have to have this talk with Hallie. With Hallie, too. It's like, okay, listen, you have to be patient. She doesn't understand what you're trying to do. She doesn't know you. Don't flip the fuck out right away. Like, have you ever had to prepare a teacher for your child before? I feel alone Uh in this. I can't be that. I'm sure. I know that this exists. And it even exists in, like, great moms. It's just, they, there's that, I hear people say, you know, I'm always like, that. I can't leave that kid's out of control like that. And then I had that kid. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I just thought, no, it's, I don't think that's anything that you should be like, oh, my God, about. I think you know it's happened. I, I have, my kids are pretty calm. Isabel was rambunctious when she was little, but she's mellowed out. So maybe there's hope. Oh, oh, there's hope, huh, for her to get a tattoo. I mean, of getting in trouble in class. Oh, okay, okay. Not okay, her not getting tattoos in class. 
No, like, it's not that she's a bad kid. She is just one of, like, I've never met a child that is so sure of herself. And everybody else needs to get in line. I, mean, I love she's, it. I'm, she's fucking seven. And she knows exactly what she wants. She knows exactly where she's headed. And she just needs you to get out of the way. And the frustration comes in for her when she gets angry is when a teacher doesn't listen to what she's trying to say because she knows A to Z how this needs to go. And you're jumping in and telling her how to do stuff. And she's like, no, stop. Like, that's when the frustration comes in because she's already got this mapped out. And and clearly she doesn't know everything because she's seven. So obviously she's got to learn these skills and stuff from whatever it is that the teacher's trying to teach her. But it's just a matter of listening to her. Most of the time, all you have to do, even when she's at her angriest, is just listen. And if she gets it out, that's it. I remember, God, now that you said that, it was like a few years ago before all of this happened, Isabel was talking about a teacher and she didn't think the teacher liked her and she'd kind of gotten whippy with the teacher. Oh, and then there was, okay, let me say the bus driver is easier. She's like, the bus driver doesn't like me. Okay. And she's like, I know she doesn't like me. She's like, then my mom's like, then be nice to her. She's like, that's fake. She doesn't like me. She's like, you're going to have to learn that sometimes you have to, even if somebody isn't listening to you mm-hmm. or whatever, it makes your life easier sometimes just to be nice yeah, or just to brush it off. So that may be something she'll have to learn later yeah. on. She's like, and yeah. in your head, you can be like, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> But is you it know, really I worth mouthing it, off though. to her? Yeah. She, she, in the grand scheme of things, she's not going to mean anything. Yeah. Just like, be nice. How, what's the quicker way to get to what you want? Yeah. And sometimes and that's being nice. you're winning. Then they think you're all nice. Yep. <laughs> so sometimes, yeah, maybe that'll have to come in later. But I, but then you do walk the strong line. It's awesome that she's young and yeah. she knows what she wants and she yeah. drives towards it. And I love, yeah. with Isabel, she's so... It drives me crazy that she's argumentative, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I know she's always going to stand up for herself when she grows up, and I don't yeah. want to pull it out of her, but at the same time, I have to teach her when it you should do it and when you shouldn't. With yeah. the teacher, you're not going to win. With <laughs> me, you're not going to win. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to learn when you got to cultivate that shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally right. I feel like with Hallie, too, like... Um, I love that she just is so just solid in herself. And I hope that, like, you know, I hope she hangs on to it. I hope nobody, like, pushes it out of her. I know I won't. I'm not fucking with that kid. <laughs> also, do you get the, well, I guess you probably don't do it anymore because your kids are in middle school now. But do you ever get their teachers, like, stuff at the beginning of the year? I mean, I know they have, like, a school supply list. But do you ever send the teachers anything? Yeah, I have. I sent when they they'll make requests at the bottom if anybody can send stuff. Yeah, I usually just give them a gift card and stuff at the beginning of the year. That's a good idea. Yeah, because I was just like, like it was either to like Walmart or Amazon or whatever. Like I'll just I wait a week to make sure the kids don't get moved out of the class because I've had that happen before. And then I just give them like a gift at the end of the year, like a same thing. Like I just do a gift card to be like thanks. But if you're listening and you're a teacher. Tell us what you want. Would you rather have a bottle of liquor? I mean, like, you know what I'm just saying? Like, I know gift cards are nice and helpful and stuff. I just don't know. Like, tell us. Tell us what, if you're a teacher, what do you want a parent to do? What's the what's the best thing a parent can do when bringing your kids back to school? Yeah. So, that's, that's what I want to know. 
I watched, you know, my niece and nephew were here a couple of weeks ago. I know I mentioned that. And my niece was telling me that they're watching all the M. Night Shyamalan movies, you know, like uh, Sixth Sense, Signs. Yeah, yeah. So those are like some of my favorites. And But my husband hates them. Really? Hates, yeah, because he, and this is where I think that this, I think M. Night Shyamalan has a brilliant mind and great story ideas. I think his production or like the studio always edits are always like builds these movies as like scary movies and they're yeah. not scary they're kind of eerie and they're sort of suspenseful they but i don't think is yeah i don't think his movies are like horror movies but for some reason like it's the trailers and stuff always make you think oh that's gonna be really scary it's gonna be good but then it's like oh no it's a great movie but it's not that yeah so I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, I should rewatch those movies with my kids. Like, or, you know, at least with Lydia, how they can't watch them. I was like, oh, okay. Like, let's do it. So I pulled up my favorite one, which is Lady in the Water. Did you ever watch that one? God, I don't, I don't know. know. I watched that one. It's got Bryce Dallas Howard in it, like Ron Howard's daughter. She's the one with like really long red hair. He uses her a lot. Yeah, yeah. So you he does. Was, she was in the village. <laughs> yeah, she was in the village too. And then it's got Paul Giamatto, it's Paul Giamatti, and um, and M. Night Shyamalan's it. It's my favorite one. So he wrote this movie, Lady in the Water. He wrote this for his children so that they could watch one of his movies. And so it's really, really fucking cool. It's like sort of this story, and I don't know if it's true or based on legend or whatever, but it's about like this girl that um comes from another dimension basically, and she is trying to find. The, a prophet sort of thing. So, like, she's coming back. And the whole point of her coming back is that she's going to inspire this prophet to write this thing that changes the world for the better. Like, it it, it changes everything for the better. And so, that's what she's there to do. And while she's there, there's, like, these creatures that are trying to kill her and keep her from doing this. Mm-hmm. And so, it's really sort of this dark fairy tale mixed with, like, this sort of, like, mystery of... Who is it? And then the legend says that when this, you know, like when this woman or whatever, whoever she is, this creature, when she comes back, there'll be a group of people called the guild who will protect her. There'll be someone who's a healer that will save her. There will be someone who's a guardian that protects her. And so in this apartment complex, it says that all these people have been drawn to this one place and they don't know why, but subconsciously they all gathered in this one place sort of waiting for this to happen. And so it's so interesting as the movie goes, it's like who you figure out these people are and how they all fit together in this puzzle and the end of it is just so beautiful and I love it like it's it's absolutely one of my favorite movies that he's done it, it and I watched it with Lydia and after it was over she was like that was really good I was like right <laughs> so I was like we need to go back and watch some uh, some more of his movies and stuff I think she'd like that um the signs the one with like Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix with the that aliens yeah and I really like the village, in, but, you know, my husband, like, he wants them to be twisted, and he wants them to be, like, really dark, but that's just not, like, that's not, not I, what they are. I don't think I want them. I just like them to be, like, eye-opening, like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like mm-hmm. the thought of how, mm-hmm. God, I can't even remember the one where he did where it was, like, Mother Nature was killing people out. Yeah, and that's there was a Mark Wahlberg. Before. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was yeah. like, I'm like, this makes sense. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, it's like uh-huh. an epiphany moment. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there's always like these big aha moments. I like that. You know what movie I always think that made me have that, but they didn't do it in the movie, Mm -hmm. was um, I Am Legend. Oh, okay. The one with Will Smith? Yeah. So in the book, it turns out so... I don't know. This is kind of spoil it, but I think everybody's seen this movie at this point and they're not going Fast to see forward. it. <laughs> but the book's different from the, the movie, the ending. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the part of the book, you have this eye-opening moment where if Will Smith is going in and he's getting these people that have been infected and pulling them out and he's trying to cure them so they're not these zombie-like mm-hmm. creatures anymore, yeah. these mindless things, and he's going in and bringing them out and doing this over and over again, actually, he takes somebody's, like, girlfriend or wife. Mm-hmm. And this monster, monster, as you yeah. would say, he would mm-hmm. call it, trying to get her back. He has her in mm-hmm. his lab and he's inspir- experimenting on mm-hmm. her, trying yeah. to cure her. And there's an awe moment in the book where it's like, when does Will Smith actually become the villain of the story? If everybody yeah, has turned yeah. into these things and you're going into their area and pulling them out. Mm-hmm. To change them. Yeah. To change them back, technically. Mm-hmm. Aren't you technically the serial killer? Yeah. Yeah. Like the bad guy. Wow. That's a great point. And it's like, an which wasn't in the movie, but in mm-hmm. the book that was open up to you. You're like, mm-hmm. shit. What, when does it come? Who's bad and who's good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a deeper thought process that you might not be able to really absorb on screen or digest it as well. You know, seeing it in front of you versus like really thinking about it mm-hmm. in a book. Gosh, that's such a good point. I haven't seen that movie forever. It's been a long time, but that's a good movie. It is a very good movie. And then we also watched the documentary of Val Kilmer. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Do you you know who Val Kilmer yeah. is? Do you know? Okay. So, it, for those of you who don't, he was in, like, The Saint, like, Cop Gun, all this stuff. Awesome Wasn't he actor. Batman at one point? Yeah, he was the second Batman after Michael Keaton. Yeah. And then he did, like, Real Geniuses, and um, he just, he did a shit ton of movies. Of, like, the Island of Dr. Moreau, like, so I watched his documentary, and the more movies he talked about, I was like, yeah, he was in that. Holy shit, he was in that, you know? But anyway, so, he, like, disappeared, like, fell off the face of the earth. And then we were watching Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Like, a couple years ago, we are watching that reboot of that movie. And he appeared in it, and he was, like, super fat. And we were, like, joking about it. We were like, why is Val Kilmer, like, like 300 pounds? What the fuck happened to him, you know? Like, just sort of joking. And it, it felt comedic that he was on the screen because it was, like, pointless. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and so, turns out, he has fucking, like, like cancer in his throat like some sort of throat cancer that caused him to do this like caused his body to swell up or whatever he gained a bunch of weight and then he had to have his voice box or something removed and now he talks with like like you know smokers get the esophagus or whatever and he has the like the the thing on his like to do the vibrate you know like to push on his throat he can't speak. I mean, like, he's, like, he sounds like a robot. It, it's awful. I knew and so, something happened. I couldn't remember, though. Yeah. Like, it was so sad. So, but the documentary is told from his son, who sounds just like him. So, Val Kilmer wrote it. I mean, obviously, he's still got all his faculties, except he can't talk. Mm-hmm. And so, he wrote this incredible, it's like his memoir, like his life story. 
And his son narrates it as if it's Val Kilmer speaking. Oh, wow. And Val Kilmer said on there, he was like, I was the first person I ever knew to own a video camera. And he's like, and I recorded everything. And there is, he goes in this film room. It's like in a warehouse. And it's just rows of video, rows and rows and rows. And it's from every movie, he, every movie set he ever did. He had like his own video recorder on it. There's like, there's like Kevin Bacon when he was super young, like Tom Cruise, like everybody's like super, super young in it. And they're all like cutting up in the videos and Oh my, it talks about like he met his wife on set. It like there was video of them together, like falling in love. Like, oh my God, it was, fuck, it was so, so good. And so like, you know, that this was sort of just like his life story. He said he's getting better. And I don't know if eventually maybe he'll be able to, to talk at some point again, like if he's just healing. But he was like, you know, I look, he, he's, I think he said at one point, like, I look really frail from the outside. He was like, but I'm stronger than ever. And uh-huh. so, like, it was, I knew it was really fucking inspiring. Like, afterwards, I was like, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was awesome. So, like, it, I can't recommend, it's called Val. It's on Amazon. I cannot recommend enough. It was such a feel-good thing because, like, there's parts of it that were sad, but you could tell how much like these relationships meant to him. And so like, and when he met his wife and he talks about like their divorce and how they fell apart because he was away so much. And so is she and they're both actors, but it shows them still together. Like at the end of it, like he and his, though his wife are still like, they do things together still and she's with them. Yeah. Yeah. And they have two children and like, they're all there together and stuff. And it was just like, like, there was still so much love, like, around him. It's, it was just a really cool story and an interesting perspective of Hollywood, like, in the late 80s, 90s era, you know, and, and seeing those movies and stuff that I fell in love with. And he talked about Batman and, you know, how much, like, how hard it was for him to shoot that because he said when he was in the bat suit, like, he said I was, he was like, I couldn't really see I couldn't hear anything. He was like, it was so lonely. He said, it, he was, I felt so alone in that movie. And I was like, oh my, like it was sad. And so when they offered him the second, to do the second Batman, he was like, I can't, I can't do that again. Yeah. You know, and I, and I totally understood why after seeing that. I remember uh, hearing the Grinch, Jim Carrey. Yeah. Say the most torturous thing he ever did was be the Grinch. Really? He said he had to do like, almost torture training being in the costume and setting down to have it put on Uh which I actually can understand Uh because even sometimes when I've gotten my eyelashes done Uh I start to get like anxious Uh I couldn't imagine having to sit in a chair for four hours every day and then to have it every day Mm -hmm. and to have it on your skin like that but Mm -hmm. yeah he had he showed uh techniques that would help calm it down and shit Mm -hmm. it was crazy that is crazy I didn't know that yeah, I, like hearing him saying how isolating and sad it was. I was like, I never would have thought that, you know? know. Not being able to hear, yeah. Yeah, well, you know what that's like, like not being able to hear. Because you'll just check out. And mm-hmm. then when you check out, you're alone. Yeah. Because I remember, remember when I used to be able to go to the wine bar? And, uh-huh, yeah. Right? And you guys all thought it was crazy? Uh-huh. It's because, and I can't do that so much anymore. And I think that was before I got hearing aids and stuff that I could easily check out. Yeah. I yeah. could just drop it away, which I can't do anymore. When I'm writing or whatever, I have to turn the mm-hmm. TV off, which before yeah. I used to be able to write in the middle of a bar. 
Yeah. With people being loud and mm-hmm. music playing. Because I can That's turn how bad off. your hearing was. <laughs> but I, I think it was no, also just a, the development yeah. of learning uh-huh. to tune it. I'm not involved, so mm-hmm. drop it. Yeah. Or something. I can see weird. that too. Just like having that like sort of mental switch on like, okay, I don't need to pay attention to I this. I actually noticed today when I was out running errands and stuff that I have lost my ability to like read lips. Oh, wow. Really? Like I can't do that it as fast? well. I'd forgotten my uh, hearing aids today, which I was like, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. But with people having masks on and mm-hmm. wearing them all the time, it's like, it's like I lost that language of mm-hmm. not using it or training it. Mm-hmm. It's weird. You practice with your kids at home. <laughs> yeah, I was like, because I used to be able to do it, like not mm-hmm. even realizing I was doing it. Mm-hmm. But then not doing it or I guess like the muscle memory mm-hmm. slowly fading away. <laughs> it got you. It got you back. <sighs> the other thing I wanted to talk about was that I finished another Mariana Zapata book. And this one was Underlock. And I mentioned it last week because the I beginning. I update. Yes. He was such a dick. I have to say, full disclosure, this was probably not my favorite. This, oh. I, no, I'm not even probably. This was not my favorite, Mary Honest, behind me. But I would recommend this book to people who, if you're not hard on safety, if you're, like, not as crazy about it as Mel and I are, and you're into motorcycle clubs, and you're into, like, an asshole hero, this is it. Yeah. This had the most sex in any of her books I've read. It was hot, like nasty, dirty hot. Loved it. But like there is like this is I don't think it's really a spoiler, but you can fast forward if you don't want to know the safety on it. But in the very beginning, after he meets her, this is, you know, a couple of chapters in, he comes out of like a bar or something and he's with a woman and they had like spent the night together mm-hmm. and he had already met the heroine. They weren't together and he they didn't like each other. But I was just kind of annoyed that he did it after, like, meeting her. Because I'm used to, in books, when the hero meets the hero, and that's it. Like, the first time they meet, it's like, okay, we're done. In, in all of Mariana Zapata's books, that's that the case. This I think this was her first book. I went and looked, and I think this was in 2014 or 15, and that's her oldest book she has. So... I think maybe that's changed. As, uh, to my knowledge, I've read all of her other ones. I've minus two books, I think two or three books so far. And that's never happened again. Yeah. So, and this was the only book that I felt like the hero maybe didn't totally redeem himself after. And I said it last week. He called her a fucking, he called her a stupid bitch. Yeah. And I like that she didn't really forgive him for it either. Like, he kept apologizing, and she was just like, you can apologize like that. I'm not okay with I'm never. I'll never be okay with you speaking to me like that. Yeah. And so she kind of held that over him throughout the book, and I felt like that, that part was really good, that their relationship evolved from that, and he he kept telling her like I just say shit like I'm just used to blurting it out like you have to get tougher skin if you're gonna hang around an MC club like you know she was the sister of one of the guys so like she but she had never been in this life yeah and so he's like he but you know the heroes used to you know these badass women that are in here that can give it as good as they get it and she wasn't like that and so he didn't understand that he had to be gentle with her and so. By the end of it, I liked them together, but I didn't really love him. Yeah. So I loved her. I thought she was fantastic. I thought the story was really good. Like I said, the sex was hot. 
So I would say anybody that like wants kind of a like alpha a-hole MC book. And if you don't really like if you're not a super hard stickler for safety, go for it. Like it was good. It was a really, really good book. But it's not my favorite one she's written. So but I'm on to the next one. And it's called, uh, oh, Luna in the Lie. And everybody recommend this to me mm-hmm. because I like the Wall of Winnipeg. Or, um, sorry, I loved The Best Thing. That was a secret baby when I talked about it here. And everybody was like, oh, my God, you need to go read Luna in the Lie first. And I was like, it's too late. But I'm reading that one now, and I do love it. I actually really, really love it. And I love the, but that secret baby book was so freaking good. So I love that. Are you reading anything right now? Not real. I have been- Playing a stupid game on my phone. Are you still playing bingo? Yes. No. Okay, I've gotten really good. This is confession time. Admit your sins. Go. I've just been playing bingo. How on much my money have you spent on this game? I probably spent like fifty <laughs> or sixty bucks. <laughs> That's not bad. That's, That's not. not, bad not I'm getting really good at it, so I haven't had to deposit <laughs> any money. Really good at it. So I've been playing oh, it a lot and just watching TV. Terrible. Mm-hmm. So it's bingo though, right? Like how do you how do you win? Is it not like a video thing? It is, but like you get rewards if you're fast. Oh, I like that. And then that. you can use those rewards to get extra balls. Oh, I like that. Okay. Well then it feels like you have sort of a fighting chance. Yeah. I was just gonna say if it's like they're just picking numbers, I feel like that's like a slot machine. No. Like you're so just you have win to be like to. paying attention and have like a routine, like tricks mm-hmm. up your sleeve that you know to use. <laughs> tricky tricks. like saving things saving moves when you build mm-hmm. up rewards and shit like that okay well slowly but surely i've gotten a lot keep better. us updated well i've been listening to audiobooks while i play tetris so there you go that's like one of my favorite things to do all right so let's tell you about aurora kane i've got her author bio right here um and like i said the book she has with us this week is her alien collector Da, 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 da. Aurora Kane likes her. This is her book, author by Aurora Kane likes her aliens growly, possessive, and with a good heart. If you're looking for a quick and dirty sci-fi romance, read with a guaranteed happily ever after. Then you've come to the right place. This book that you're about to listen to again, it's her alien collector, and I'll read you the book bio on that one. <clears throat> Working in a tavern is not the best job for a human woman living on a space station amongst thousands of aliens, but it's also not the worst. That is until my boss gets replaced by a bunch of debt collectors. The new owner of the tavern wants me to do a different kind of work. Luckily for me, one of the regulars of the tavern steps in to save me, and by saving, I mean that he takes me with him without even asking what I want. Darkish sci-fi romance contains a bossy alien, a feisty human woman, and a lot of snarling. No cheating and a happily ever after, which I love, obviously. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to double check. I had messaged um, Aurora Kane earlier today, and I was just going to ask her if there was anything we could mention about what she's got coming up. And she said, let me see, uh, aside from her alien collector, she's providing universal links for her most recent releases, and those can be promoted. Um, her most recent releases, like I mentioned earlier, The Aliens and Cupcakes, and this is for the Cyborg's Princess Book 2 series that's coming out in early September. So that's great. Let's see if they have audiobook versions available. Okay, if you want more on audio, Rightfully Shared, Ferocious, Voice Captive. So that's kind of cool. She's got great audiobooks if you want to just get in on that too. So yeah, it all looks lots like of good stuff. sweetly dark 
sci-fi yeah. box. Yeah. And we'll put all of this in the show notes. So all the details and stuff, and we'll share it on social media, like what she's com- got coming up, where you can get all her audio books and all that good stuff. So we're going to send you into the first installment. All right. Let's we'll see you guys on it. the other side. You may kiss the groomsmen by Samantha Chase. It seemed like a good idea at the time. When Josie Sullivan agrees to marry her friend Tyler, it's just so he'll get a promotion at work. That's what friends do, right? But what should have been a quick, quiet affair starts to look a lot like the real thing when his family shows up in the middle of the proposal. Now it's no longer a quick stop at the courthouse during a lunch break, but a full-blown wedding, and there's nothing Josie can do to stop it. There was no way he could hold his peace. Daniel Alexander hasn't been home in years. After 15 years as a Navy SEAL, he's more than ready to return to civilian life. Being away for so long, he's missed a lot of his younger brother's life, and it seems like he's back just in time to stop him from making the biggest mistake of his life. No matter how he breaks it down, something's just not adding up about this wedding, and he's determined to figure out why. And he's not just trying to stop it from happening because he's finding himself wildly attracted to the bride-to-be, or because they can't stop kissing each other. Josie has given up on finding her own happily ever after, and as her attraction to Daniel keeps growing, she's suddenly regretting her decision to help out a friend. Now she just needs to decide if she wants to kiss the groom or the groomsman. You may kiss the groomsman by Samantha Chase. This sounds so freaking adorable. It's live today, guys. Go get it. This is Her Alien Collector by Aurora Kane and Nova Edwins. Read for you by Molly Stark. 1. I stack the glasses onto the tray, hating how sticky my fingers are from the sugar and alcohol that gets spilled no matter how careful I try to be. Next to me, Kiana whistles lowly, and I feel the tip of her tail touching my leg. Your regular is back. I blush. He's not my regular. Well, he's not atze fucking me with his eyes. She smooths down the scales on her flat belly before taking four bottles of fermented alien beer. Her claws clink against the glass. I really don't get why you won't earn yourself a nice, big, fat tip. Speaking of nice, big, and fat, shushing her, I pull the tray onto my hand and start making my way to the tables in the back. Of course I noticed that he is back. It is impossible to miss a brooding seven-foot alien with lavender-colored skin and black horns, even if he prefers to sit in the shadows. I can always tell when he's there without looking because those are the nights no one even tries to touch me. It really startled me the first time that I heard his growl when one of the other patrons slapped my ass while I brought them drinks. But now I've gotten used to the fact that he watches over me, and a tiny part of me even enjoys it. His visits are the only upside to this job. Never in a million years did I ever think I would end up in space, waiting tables. But that was before I was taken from my home on Earth and sold on a slave market. I was lucky, though. The bad guys who bought me attracted the attention of some nice aliens. I and the dozens of other slaves in the cargo hold were freed and rehomed. 
Since I had been in cryosleep for more than 200 years, there was no point in going back to Earth. Besides, a ticket there costs like 5 million credits, and I make maybe 10 a night in tips. I work and live in this tavern because our boss is a friend of the aliens who saved us. And he's a good guy. He feeds us and doesn't expect us to whore ourselves out unless we want to. Kiana is a half-dragon and way more outgoing than I am. If she wants some extra credits, she will take the most handsome patron available up to the small room we share on the second floor. In my two years here, I have never done this. I'm way too scared, since I don't have claws or sharp teeth or the ability to fry a man's face off with my breath. I just keep my head down and do my job, dreaming of a better future. There's a tingling sensation running down my spine as I pass the table of the alien that Kiana considers to be my regular. I know he watches me, and my cheeks blush. Although I haven't been a virgin in a very long time, the idea of having sex with an alien makes me anxious. What if he has more than one dick? Or spikes on his dick? Or weird appendixes? Or tentacles? More often than not, I do wish I were brave enough to at least say hi to him. But he always picks a seat in Kiana's part of the tavern, and I'm certain that he knows this. Apparently, he doesn't want to talk. He just likes to watch and keep to himself. Not once have I seen him talking to the other guests or exchanging more than two words with Kiana even. Ah, the humin with our drinks. Alda Falbert smiles at me, showing his rotten teeth. Weirdly enough, he's one of our nicer patrons. I don't know much about his species, but his teeth will be in perfect condition again in a few days. They're rotting away in a specific cycle to be replaced with shiny new ones. This is my fourth time seeing him like this, and it still freaks me out. Human, I correct making sure that he can see my lips with all of his six eyes. Human. Almost. I flash him a smile, putting his drink in front of him. His buddy Ejar cackles and slips me a credit. Thanks. The empty tray under my arm, I make my way back to the bar when the doors to the tavern are kicked in. Literally. Five scary-looking aliens enter our establishment, and for a moment, the silence is deafening. I immediately know that we're in trouble. They're wearing red belts, which means they're here to collect a debt. Their leader marches over to the bar, a machete in his hand. Morg, my boss, swallows hard. I just need a few more standard days to get the credits. Funny, isn't that what he said last week? The leader casts a look at his buddies, and they hoot with laughter. From the corner of my eye, I see how our bouncer sneaks along the wall, trying to reach the exit. He never makes it, since one of the debt collectors turns around and shoots him without warning. He zaps the life out of him using a tellurium shock pulser before he asks, Does anyone else here have any more stupid ideas they want to share? His accent is very thick, so it takes the translation implant behind my ear a moment to decipher his words. My heart is beating so fast that I press the tray against my chest to keep it from leaping out. We need the credits, Morg. You know how Everine gets. 
Our boss wants what you owe him. Their leader walks toward the bar. Oh no, it's even worse than I thought. Evrain is the biggest gangster around here. I've never seen him, but I've heard plenty of horror stories. When it comes to illegal shit, this Evrain has his hands in everything. Looking for drugs? Talk to one of Evrain's guys. Want to bet on the local gladiator fights? Talk to one of Evrain's guys. In need of stolen art for your collection? Talk to one of Evrain's guys. Your business needs credits? Talk to Evrain himself. I glance at Kiana, and she looks as uncomfortable as I feel, her tail flicking nervously behind her. My boss glances from one collector to the next before he eyes the door, like he has any chance to reach it. I don't have the credit, not yet. His forked tongue appears as he licks his thin lips. Well, that's too bad. How much was it exactly that you owe? Twenty thousand. The debt collector nods slowly and lets his gaze wander through the tavern. He especially eyes Kiana and me in a way that doesn't sit well with me. And how much would you say this place is worth, including all the slaves? I cringe at that word, since I like to see myself as an employee with limited options. Technically, we aren't slaves, and often enough, Kiana strolls through the space station when she has free time on her hands. But I don't. I never leave, because I have no means to defend myself. That's something I learned quickly. If I don't want to get snatched away, I stay within sight of my boss, or owner, or whatever morgue is. Uh, maybe 30,000? My boss stutters while sweat beads on his pale blue forehead. I guess we'll take the tavern then. We, of course, won't need you, but considering that this dive is worth more than your debt, you shall live. Morg doesn't miss a beat and scurries toward the exit. He doesn't even look at Kiana or me. My stomach shrinks to the size of a quarter, and I feel sick. The urge to cry gets overwhelming. Slowly and with a sleazy grin, the leader of the debt collectors turns around. Sorry about the interruption, dear customers. For the rest of the night, the drinks will be free. In fact, everything will be free but the whores. Kiana hisses and shows her sharp teeth as the first patrons start eyeing her. All too soon, I feel their gazes on me, and my heart thumps even faster. No, no, no. I seriously contemplate just making a run for it. Being killed right this second seems like the better option. The far better option. I already see the first scaly hand extending toward me, while two other aliens stand up, leering at me. This will be like a race. Whoever gets to me first will take me as a prize. The panic nearly makes me puke. No, the human belongs to me, a dark voice announces behind me. Two. I am completely shocked, and somehow not shocked at all, that the voice belongs to the lavender-colored alien with the horns. He stands right behind me, 
and as I turn around, I have to lift my gaze way up to meet his green eyes. They're bright and piercing, and within a second it feels as if he's looking right into my soul. Also, he clearly must be crazy to claim me like that. I just became available, and the suitors are already lining up, while the lavender guy behaves like he owns the place instead of the debt collectors. It takes me a heartbeat or two before I notice that my other suitors have actually all sat back down. The leader of debt collectors bows his head. Of course. Sorry, we didn't know you were here. Um, what the hell is going on? The lavender alien stalks closer, grips my upper arm with his huge hand, and starts dragging me toward the exit. Wait! I push my heels into the floor and basically hear how the whole tavern gasps for air like I've insulted someone without knowing it. The alien cocks his eyebrow. What did you just say? My heart might leap out of my chest any minute now, but I pull myself together. What about Kiana? You mean your little dragon friend? Yes, let her go. The alien chuckles. Why would I? She's attractive. Attractive females bring in a lot of credits. I can't argue with that. And I also can't shake the feeling that I'm missing a piece of the puzzle. Or maybe half the box. Since I have no other option, I force a weak smile onto my face. Please? He narrows his eyes at me and brings his face closer to mine. You really need to learn your place, Skye. I'm beyond shocked that he knows my name. Even my boss, well, former boss, referred to me as the human. Only Kiana manages to call me by a mangled version of my earth name. How the fuck does he know my name? Who is this guy? He straightens his back and searches the place until he locks eyes with Kiana. You're coming with us. There's one customer that makes a protesting sound, but the next second, the debt collector's leader holds the machete to his neck, so whatever the complainer had to say no longer seems important. Kiana is smart enough to not waste any time. She hurries over to us and eyes the lavender alien's hand on my arm. She doesn't say anything, though. She just stares at the ground. The guy drags me outside with Kiana following us. It's late, but the street is busy with vendors and aliens. I hear people talking, laughing, and arguing. It's a completely different atmosphere than inside the tavern, and since I'm not used to it, I'm stressed. Everyone who sees the lavender alien steps aside to let him pass, and I have a theory I don't like. There is an unofficial king of this space station, and it is Evrain. There is also only one alien I can imagine who could behave like this and get away with it. And the way even the debt collectors showed him respect? He must be Evrain. Is this good or very bad? He stops in a dark alley next to the tavern and looks at Kiana. You're smart, aren't you? Kiana nods, and within a heartbeat, she's gone. She needs just three or four steps to vanish into the crowd. Suddenly, 
I feel very lonely and helpless. My abductor doesn't care. He keeps walking until we reach a sleek hover pod. Those are kind of a mix between cars and spaceships, but I've never been in one before. The door slides into the wall, and I have no choice but to enter the small cargo hold before the alien shoves me into the passenger seat. He towers over me as he pulls out the straps and secures me to the seat. Do you have a name? I hate how my voice nearly breaks, but somehow the silence is worse. He glances at me as he takes a seat and fires up the engine. Don't you know by now? I don't want to assume things. His low chuckle makes the hair on my neck stand. You're just as smart as the dragon female, or you wouldn't have survived this long without being forced into sexual slavery, Sky. Humor me. You're Evrain. I swear the sound he makes is dirty enough to give my face a crimson color. I like how you say my name. It's almost like a promise. Don't ask, don't ask, don't ask. What promise? Damn it, Sky. The promise of a good time. You sound so deliciously scared and breathless. Makes it easy to imagine what you will sound like when I fuck you. Great. At least he doesn't sugarcoat what he wants. I swallow hard and focus on my shaking fingers, which I'm currently digging into my thighs to calm myself down. It's not working. Since a full-blown panic attack probably won't help me, I try to come up with a plan that guarantees my survival and does not involve me ending up as a sex slave in Evrain's basement. But I got nothing. So I do the next logical thing and ask, um, how many dicks do you have? Just one. He casts me a look like I'm the crazy one that has just abducted him. I stare onto the giant display that shows the outside as we're taking off. I'm so fucking screwed. It's not really comforting that he only has one dick, because judging by the size of Evrain's body, that thing will probably look and feel like a baseball bat. Still, I can't stop myself. Does your cock have spikes or thorns or anything like that? No. Is there acid involved by any chance? Evrain's answer is accompanied by a half-snort, half-grunt. No. Do you... You seem awfully interested in my cock, Skye. Do you think you can contain yourself until we've reached our destination? Or do you want me to fuck you right here, right now? The lump in my throat grows bigger, and a shiver runs down my spine. I'm good, thanks. I'm just trying to evaluate the risk of me dying. You're really something, my little human. I give you that. Is there any chance you would consider letting me go? No. Taken by Sky Warren, a breathless, dangerous romance between an ex-military man who believes he has no honor left and a reclusive author on a mission to save her sister. This is the complete Diamond Trilogy in one collection. Kidnapped, Stolen, Taken. I'm thrown into a cell in a French prison, but I'm not alone. There's someone in here with me. Someone more dangerous than the men who brought me in here. 
that's taken by sky warren it's live today go grab it now you guys are gonna love this one welcome back hi welcome back welcome back like I said, all the details and stuff will be in the show notes. This week, we're doing a Read Me Romance prize pack for a giveaway. So make sure you enter to win that and follow us everywhere. Oh, I forgot to mention the book boxes. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Well, if you look on our social media or our newsletter, it's in there. But um, we can tell you more about it on, on Thursday's episode. All right. Which is your birthday, I think. Oh, no, your birthday's okay, tomorrow. Happy ber- happy early birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Tell them what to oh, do. Wait, no. Fuck oh. your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind. And read me romance. Read, read me romance.